I assume that the majority of us, if not all of us this morning, would, uh, would agree and, and with, this, with this sentence, I want to experience the life God desires for me. I want to experience the life God desires for me. I, I assume you agree with me that, with that this morning, no matter where you're coming from. Otherwise, I'm not sure exactly why you'd be in, in church. But I'm assuming most of us would say, hey, I want to be where God wants me to be. I want to experience the life that God desires that we experience. The difficulty of this really comes down to two words, the two C words, change and control. And last week, I sent you home with a practical application, which I hope you put into practice this last week. The practical application that I was the most confident when I left here that no one would participate in. The practical application, does anybody remember it? Ask for help. Let someone do something for you. Well, that's the last time I ever preach on that. Because Thursday morning turned into chaos at our home. So Thursday, about, or Wednesday night, it started about midnight. My phone went off, and I got called to a death notification. So I was gone during the night on, on Wednesday night. And uh, it was just kind of a chaotic moment. So Thursday morning, going on about two hours of sleep, get up and get going for the day, get the car started for my wife and all that good stuff. And wife leaves for work. And next thing, we're all ready to go, take the kids to school. I recognized that last night when I left, I put all of the keys in the car that I was driving. So the keys to the other vehicle were in the keys that my wife just drove to, to school. So I'm like, oh, this is not good. You got 15 minutes, daughter's supposed to be here, kids, the other kid's supposed to be over there, and I'm supposed to be on the other side of town for a meeting in a little while. So I'm going through my phone, scrambling, okay, who lives over there? Call my sister, my normal go-to doesn't answer. Call my niece, oh, doesn't answer, she's already at school. Call the neighbor of John Harris, staff member at King of Glory, you think would be available to help me. <laughs> doesn't answer. It's kind of like your boss calls before 8, answer, nothing. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? So I finally reached out to another person they, I knew lived close to John Harris, I'm like, this is really awkward, weird. Can you help me? Thankfully, she said yes. So hey, she goes, picks up the keys for the car, brings them to my house. She brings them to my house. I get all of the kids ready. I said, okay, right when she drives in, I want you to run out, get in the van. We're going to go fast. She drops off the key. I grab, grab the kids, get in the van. Get ready to turn the van on. Click, 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 click. <laughs> Thinking, oh, wow. Actually, though, I remained pretty calm. So they're like, you know what, this happened about a month ago, and so I had borrowed from a friend one of those booster starters. Not a big deal. I can handle this. Get out of the van, go back in the house to get things. However, I can't get back in the house. The door's locked to the house, and my house keys are in the house. You might be wondering at this point, well, how did you have the keys in the van? Well, I carry separate sets of keys for car, house, etc. I know, bad idea. Now I'm locked out of the house, van won't start, kid is already late for school, and I'm supposed to be at the country club fundraising in a little while. The clock is ticking. So I call my buddy, police officer, said, hey, I helped you out last night. I need you to get over here as fast as you can. He's like, all right, I'll do it. Next thing you know, I've got flashing lights in my driveway. And I'm thinking the neighbors are probably like, what in the world is going on? But finally, I say to the officer, I'm like, hey, can you just break into my house for me? <laughs> yeah, I'll break into your house for you. So we get into the house, get the jump starter, get the car started. Kid is late for school, daycare, whatever. Anyhow, 
It was a crazy morning. I tell you what, though, in that moment, pure helplessness. You can do all you want. I probably could have tried to, you know, hardwire the car or something. I had no option. I was completely dependent upon someone else to bring me a set of keys to move forward. So I was forced to ask for help this last week. I hope each of you, though, as well, asked for help. Because what it does is it puts us in a position, actually the spiritual position that God requires us to be in in order to experience the life he created us to live. In other words, spiritual life necessitates help. Spiritual life necessitates help. That was the whole point of last week's practical application. It's impossible. I can't drill this down enough. It's, it's not even in the realm of possibility that you can experience what God wants you to experience without help. You cannot do it with more willpower. You cannot do it by yourself. And we're going to see that in Galatians chapter 5. So Galatians 5, beginning with the 16th verse. Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us pray. <coughs> Gracious God, we come before you this morning now, asking that you would come and do a work in us. Lord, help us understand the spiritual life that you've created us to experience. Help us understand your vision for life and also help us understand the process and the gifts that you've given to move into it. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's really one thing that I want you to know this morning. I'm going to put the sentence right on the screen this morning. So if we put that sentence on the screen, this is it right here. The Holy Spirit is necessary, available, and present to produce the life God desires, and we have a responsibility. This is it right here. I want you just to know this truth from God's word right here and spend some time unpacking this this morning, that the Holy Spirit, the one who we oftentimes ignore, forget, avoid, misunderstand, that one is necessary, available, and present to produce the life God desires, and we have a responsibility. It starts, though, with the understanding of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we read from John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing his followers for life after him. 
It's coming right to the final moments of Jesus' life. And so in John 14, you could kind of say, is the introduction to Jesus' final sermon to his followers. And John 14, 15, and 16 are, are basically that final teaching from Jesus. And, and all three chapters are packed full of really one overarching truth said over and over again. And that's this, the Holy Spirit is coming. In those three chapters, Jesus even says the following sentence. It is better for you if I depart. It is better for you if I depart. If I ask the majority of you this morning, if I said to you, hey, next Saturday morning we're having a special breakfast here at church, and I think it could really help your spiritual life and take you to the next level, and, and our, we have a special guest coming. Jesus is going to be with us for about an hour and a half. I would hope, I would think we'd have pretty good attendance at that breakfast. I think the majority of people say, yeah, that'd be pretty good for my spiritual life. I think I'd do pretty well, actually, if Jesus was there. If Jesus was with me, that would be pretty helpful. The reality, Jesus says this actually, though. It's actually better if I'm not there. This is just absurd. I don't even know how to explain the absurdity of this statement. The, the one who is the king of the universe says, you know what? It's better if I'm not there. Why would he say that? Well, he says that in John 14, 15, and 16 because he says what? I'm going to give you another helper. The helper is the spirit of truth. And the reason that it's better that Jesus is not with us is because Jesus is in one place. Jesus is a human being, 100% man, 100% God, can, can only be in one place. And so it's actually better if we don't have Jesus, if we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, who can be anywhere and everywhere. And so it's for your good and for my good that Jesus isn't here this morning, but that the Holy Spirit is here this morning and with us. Jesus says it's better for us. So the Holy Spirit, what, who's the Holy Spirit? Let's just do Holy Spirit 101 really quick, seminary level in three minutes. Holy Spirit 101. The Holy Spirit is the third member of what we call the Trinity. In other words, when we say God, we mean Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three beings in three distinct different ways or modes. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All equal, all substantively, 100% God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, is fully God, in the spiritual being. So the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. The second thing we have to think about when we think about the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is a personal being. Now, this goes beyond logic and understanding. When Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit, he uses things like he, his, descriptions of a personal being. The Holy Spirit is not liquid. We talk about the Holy Spirit this way all the time, and I think it, it causes more problems than it is helpful. The Holy Spirit is not liquid that you get a little bit today, leak out, I need a little bit more tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is a personal being that mysteriously can be present anywhere and everywhere all of the time. So the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a personal being. Thirdly, this morning... The Holy Spirit is given to all followers of Jesus Christ. Actually, you can say it this way. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus says in the book of John that you cannot say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. Again, there's just some serious mystery going on there. And that says in Ephesians chapter 1 that you and I were sealed for the day of redemption in the Holy Spirit. Every follower of Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit, the personal being of God, with them. There's different phrases that we use for this. One phrase you maybe heard in Sunday school or other classes is this concept of you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So one way to think about it is that the Holy Spirit is with you, whether that means in you, among you, around you. I don't know how it scientifically works. The promise is that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is with us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you have the Holy Spirit. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. The presence of God is with you. So the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a personal being. The Holy Spirit is present with, among, through, however you want to phrase it, every follower of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is with us, is necessary for us. Now, what's our responsibility? If we have God with us, what's the challenge? Why is it then that I look at my own life and probably look at your life, and if I had a mirror, what would be reflected is more of the no list in Galatians 5 that we read than the fruit list. There's a whole list here of things. We don't need to spend time on that list. Impurity, jealousy, anger, rivalry, division, envy, etc., etc., etc. If we looked at our lives, all of us would acknowledge, I hope this morning, that there's evidence of that in our lives. Well, how is that if we have that, yet we've been given the presence, the person, the Holy Spirit with us? Maybe, just maybe, we've misunderstood. Maybe not only have we misunderstood, we've not wanted to understand. Because understanding requires the two C words, change and control. Change and control. So, if the Holy Spirit's with us, and God desires to produce within us spiritual growth, what's that process? Let's talk for a moment about that process of spiritual growth. The first thing you have to recognize this morning when we talk about the process of spiritual growth is this, that a new dimension of conflict begins when you become a Christian. Look with me at Galatians 5, verse 17. <clears throat> 5, 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. The moment you become a Christian, there's a new dimension of conflict in your life. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because you're still in the flesh, you're still in this world, you're still in the midst of brokenness, yet now you've been given another new dimension, the Holy Spirit of God. And so there's this automatic conflict between what you know, what you desire, and now what you have been given. So the process of spiritual growth is going to be another C word that none of us like. Conflict. It's reality. If you don't have any conflict in your life right now, say this as nice as I can. That's a fair warning that you do not have the spirit of the living God, which is clarity that you are not a Christian. If you have no conflict in your life, 
about any conduct, that's a big red light that's just going off. There's going to be conflict because there's a new dimension. Now, don't take this the wrong way when I say this, okay? Do you remember when you first get married? When you first get married, what happens? There's a whole new dimension automatically in your life, right? It's no longer just you. There's almost always now another voice, another opinion. There's another presence continually there. It's reality. Because now what? You had gone from alone, responsible for yourself. Now it's, oh boy, someone else is responsible for me and I'm responsible for someone else. Then it goes to a whole other level when what? A child enters in. There's an automatic new dimension that's put into your life. It's reality. When you become a Christian, there's an automatic new dimension of conflict. So this process of spiritual growth is going to be one of conflict. Get ready for a battle. Secondly, we have to recognize that the picture given is of slow production. When talking about spiritual growth, notice the term that Paul uses, fruit. Okay? Just going right to agriculture here. Fruit. I don't know. I might be wrong on this. I'm going to look over at the professional here, Mr. Egg PhD. But I'm not aware of any type of fruit or anything that's just grown, boom, just like that. Here in South Dakota, anywhere in the world. Am I wrong on that? Thank you. Look at that. I could be on his show. I mean, think of this for a moment. Fruit, it just doesn't, boom, happen. It's a process. It takes time. It takes seasons. Spiritual growth is not just, boom, all of a sudden. I don't struggle anymore, and I am loving and kind all of the time. Paul, I would contend, actually God, through Paul, specifically uses this metaphor, this concept of fruit to tell us that, hey, it's going to be a time intense process it's a season it's all of life of this being developed in you spiritual growth is conflict spiritual growth is slow production it's critical to remember those two things the next thing that we have to remember about the process of spiritual growth is this it's about dependence and direction from the holy spirit Dependence and direction of the Holy Spirit. Let's start with the word dependence. How do I come to that conclusion? Look at me, if you would, back in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, this is critical. Underline, circle, highlight, put blood around of the Spirit. Because what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control is not your creation, is not dependent upon you, it's dependent upon who? The Holy Spirit. So if you go and grab an apple, where's, you don't say, wow, that's, some, that's a nice apple of that person. No, it's a nice apple of that tree. The tree is what produces the apple. The Spirit is who produces the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. You cannot produce these on your own. So we are 100% dependent upon the Spirit for what? The fruit. 
First thing is this, is we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Second thing, is, along with dependence, is this, is direction from the Holy Spirit. Look with me down to Galatians 5.25. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now jump back up to verse 16, where it says, walk by the Spirit. Those are really the only commands. That's the only commands given in this section of Scripture right there. For you and I, it's basically saying this. Come underneath the direction of the Holy Spirit. In other words, walk after the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is leading, how the Holy Spirit is leading. We have a responsibility to follow the direction of the Spirit. So when we think about the process of spiritual growth, we have to think of it this way. That the Holy Spirit is fully necessary, and you and I are also fully necessary. Again, it's mysterious. It doesn't work. Complete logic. That math doesn't work 100%. 100%. The way God, God's done this amazing thing where he hasn't created us to be robots. We're, we're not robots. I don't see any evidence of this in Scripture where, where God's just up there pulling all of the strings and we're just down here. Da, da, da. God created us as his beings to reflect his image in the world around us. Yet at the same time, this mysterious element that God has been so gracious in the midst of our brokenness to say, hey, you're going to have my spirit. You have to have my spirit in order to become who God created you to be. So 100% God, 100% us in this process of spiritual growth. You've got responsibility, and yet we've got dependence upon the spirit of God. There's just no nice drawing to make it all work for you. Kind of think of it this way for a moment. You get to a traffic stop and there's a police officer there directing traffic. Some of us think of the Holy Spirit like that, where the Holy Spirit's saying, okay, come through now. And then it's kind of in your power to come through. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is the one there saying, but the Holy Spirit also is the one that's kind of like your mom or dad walking right with you through the intersection. It, it's both. The Holy Spirit directing and the Holy Spirit providing as we're coming through. So spiritual growth recognizes that there's conflict involved. Spiritual growth is slow. And spiritual growth is about dependence and direction of the Holy Spirit. So how does this work? Let's break this down and get practical for a moment. How does this work? How do I live by the Holy Spirit and experience this growth? Three things I want to share with you quickly this morning. First is this, very simple. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Okay? It begins by acknowledging the presence and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, yes, I depend upon the Holy Spirit. I'm going to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, I recognize that you're with me today. I acknowledge that. I want to be dependent upon you. I want to experience your power today. That's it. it that's weird, right? It's okay. It's okay to say that's weird. I hope you think it's weird if you're walking by someone and they're talking and there's no one else there. Because this is what I'm asking you to do. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit. In other words, acknowledge God, the necessity and the presence of God in your life. That's where it starts. With the acknowledgement of God and then here's where the responsibility comes. Number two. Submit to the foreign presence of the Holy Spirit. This is so critical, so critical. Submit to the foreign presence of the Holy Spirit. 
I use these words very specifically, foreign presence, because it's don't submit to what's in you. Submit to that which is outside of you, the Holy Spirit. Almost all spiritual growth books at Barnes & Noble, Oprah, etc. teach this. Look deep within you. Christianity is the exact opposite. Exact opposite. It's no. Someone has come from outside of you. The Holy Spirit of God who gives us new life. And I have to submit to the Holy Spirit. So here's where it comes down. Do I submit to the feelings and logic of the world? Or do I submit to the foreign presence of the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a practical example. Someone comes up to you and says, you're an idiot. Not only are you an idiot, you're a gross idiot. Not only are you a gross idiot, you're an uneducated gross idiot. Not only are you an uneducated gross idiot, guess what? Your whole family is an uneducated gross idiot. Okay, how you feeling? What's the normal response? Well, let me tell you about your family. I was doing fine until you were saying that about me, but then when you went to say my family, you'd say, go back to their family, right? You're feeling what? The same thing about them. Whether it's true or not, you're feeling the same thing about them. So that's what you're feeling. What does logic of the world say? Give them what they deserve, right? This, I mean, come on. This is happening all around us, right? Let's just point really quick to politics, right? Give them what they deserve. Yeah, Democrats lied when they're in office, but guess what? So we can lie when we're in office now, so give them what they deserve. We justify it all the time. That's the logic of the world. Do what you feel. Give them what they deserve. The foreign substance of the Holy Spirit is saying, give them the character of Jesus Christ. And what's the character of Jesus Christ? The character of Jesus Christ is described for us in 1 Peter chapter 2 when it tells us that when he was beaten, when he was spit upon, when people were mocking him, what did Jesus do? He kept going to the cross and said, Father, I forgive them for they know not what they do. In that moment, to submit to the presence of the foreign substance of the Holy Spirit would be to say to that person, thanks for sharing with me. I hope you have a great day. And actually mean, I hope you have a great day. Hoping that that person who thinks that about you and your family actually has a great day. It's exactly what Jesus wanted as he went to the cross. He wanted the best for the people that were beating him. Are we going to submit to feelings and logic? Or are we going to submit to the foreign substance, the presence of of the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Submit to the foreign presence of the Holy Spirit. And third, if we're going to experience this life of living in the Spirit, it comes down to this. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. If you want to know what it means to walk in the Spirit, this is it. It means to walk by faith. Now, let's explain that a little bit. Because when we think of faith, some of us think of well, okay, that means just acknowledge that a God exists. That's not the faith that the Bible teaches. When, when it says in the whole Gospel of John, when Jesus is saying, hey, believe in me, he's not saying, believe I exist. The better word to translate there is the word trust. Trust me. 
There's a big difference between believing in the existence and trusting in the one who exists. So to walk by faith is this. I'm going to trust the promise of what he said is the right thing to do, even if it doesn't feel right. So I'm going to trust that God's, when God says it's better to give than to receive, you know what? I'm going to trust it, so I'm going to do it. Walk by faith is how we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me and look at one verse if you would. Galatians 5. Go back up with me to verse 5 in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 5. And, and we could spend a whole time unpacking this. There's a whole theme here in this, in this book. I want to point this out. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. This is critical to understand. Faith is not a one-time transaction at the vending machine when you came forward and put your name on a card and said, I now believe in Jesus Christ. Faith is an ongoing trust in the person of Jesus Christ throughout our whole life. It's not saved by faith, now I live by willpower. It's saved by faith, walk by faith, experience the Holy Spirit. And so today, if you're like me, and I assume you are, not that I'm good, not that I'm the standard, but if you're like me saying, I want to have the life that God created for me to have. I want to experience the spiritual life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. We can have that life, but it begins by knowing that the Holy Spirit is necessary, available, and present to produce that life. And you and I have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I can't draw it all out for you in detail. I can't give you a formula of how it all exactly works. i got to tell you this. It even hurts me to say this. I'll, I'm a black and white person. It hurts me to say this. It's very experiential. you got to step into it. At some point, when you hear that voice saying, hey, do something good for that coworker that's treating you that way, you got to step out and obey that voice. And as you obey that voice, this is the amazing thing that happens. You become in tune with it. So it no longer is like, I don't know, understand how to experience if the Holy Spirit's leading me. When you take those steps, you become in tune with understanding what the Spirit, who the Spirit sounds like, when you know it's the Spirit leading you. But you've got to take a step out. Here's the one thing I can give you is this. The Spirit of God will never go against the revealed will of God in the Bible. So this is the number one way you know the Spirit is leading you. Is it matching up with what's revealed? through the Word of God, because the Spirit is consistent with the Father and the Son. This morning, too many of us are concerned about our circumstance. We're concerned about where we're going to live, what we're going to drive, where I'm going to work. Stuff's all important. Guess what? The New Testament, though, doesn't write about that stuff. God is concerned about how you do that stuff not where you live, but it's how do you live where you're living. It's not about where you're working. It's about how are you working where you work. The role of the Holy Spirit is to create within us the character of Jesus Christ so that no matter where we work, where we live, 
we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of Jesus Christ. And so for you and I today, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to be who God created us to be. Because God has given us a gift. God has given us himself, the Holy Spirit, who's available today. And now the question is, will you and I respond and submit to the presence of God in our lives? As we close out this morning, this is one of those odd topics that creates a variety of, I'm going to invite the music team to come forward, that creates just a variety of interesting feelings and, and perceptions because everybody kind of comes from a different perspective on this issue of the Holy Spirit. For some, just pure uncomfortable. But here's what I want to ask you for a moment. What's producing the discomfort? Is the discomfort coming from perception of others? That if you actually start to take the Holy Spirit serious, something might happen that creates a perception from others like, whoa, a little bit weird, a little bit different. Is that, what, is that what's creating the discomfort? Or is the discomfort control of having to say, okay, I'm dependent upon another being for this to happen? I want to ask you today, identify the discomfort so that you can release it and step into the opportunity that's before us. So here's what I want to ask you to do today. We're going we're gonna to stand and sing and close out our time of giving God, giving God praise and, and singing about his greatness. But I want to ask you today to do something that's uncomfortable for a lot of you. I want to ask you to make a very specific prayer that God would awaken you, that God would make known to you the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about this time of receiving the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit when you're born again through faith in Jesus Christ. I believe you have the Holy Spirit this morning. You need to be awakened to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to sing. And as we come to the close of that song, I invite you. If you know you're in that spot where you know what, <laughs> yeah, I'm not having a thriving spiritual life and I know I've ignored this aspect of spirituality, which means you've Basically, you've been ignoring spirituality. Who's going to ask you to come forward and uncomfortable? There's not anybody shaking. Nobody's, oh, maybe shaking. I don't know. See what God does. But nobody's going to be laughing. I mean, there's no snakes up here or anything like that. Just coming forward and saying, God, awaken me to the presence and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So as we close out this song, if you today, you want to say to yourself, you know what? I need to be awakened. I'll come back up as we're about to close the song and just invite you to come forward. Those that want to come forward, I want you to come and stand right here. Just hold out your hands and I'll pray for each of us that are coming forward today. Asking that God will awaken us to the presence and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and start to sing together. <laughs>